Welcome to The Honest Pour with John Lennart, where we go beyond the bottle to connect you with the people and places that make each wine so unique. My love of Burgundy runs deep. That's why I was so excited to sit down with Frédéric Barnier, winemaker for Louis Jadot. I met with Barnier at the boarding house in Chicago to talk about the differences between making just two or three barrels of wine from a single vineyard, like so many producers in the region do, and making lots from vineyards from across the entire Appalachian, like Jadot does. We also talk about the problems of premature oxidation and sample wines from the upcoming release of the 2015 vintage. All that and more on this episode of The Honest Pour. This episode of The Honest Pour is sponsored in part by Fooditor.com, bringing you the stories of Chicago's chefs, restaurants, and people who make food all over town. Fooditor.com. Hi, welcome to The Honest Pour. I'm John Lennart, and joining me today is Frédéric Barnier, a winemaker from Louis Jadot. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Tell me how you got into winemaking. Well, uh, I'm the first one in my family to be a winemaker, so I was absolutely not in a family of growers or winemakers. But my, my father is what you can call a, a wine lover, so I was educated with wine on, on the table uh, every day, uh, twice a day, not for breakfast, uh, of course, <laughs> but uh, lunch, dinner. And clearly, he's, uh, he has made my education, uh, mostly with Bordeaux wines, a few wines from the Loire Valley, not a lot of Burgundies, uh, I have to say. But uh, clearly, yeah, in my mind, um, I said, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be a very complex and diverse, um, you know, uh, business and, and, and um, um, something you, you, you could find, you know, uh, you, can, you can work uh, and, and every year uh, find something different and new. Uh, at that time, he was, you know, um, he, he was working in finance. And I saw that finance seems to be very stressed and uh, stressful and, and not something I was very confident within. And I prefer to, to follow my line, you know, my way and to... Wine for me was something more, I would say, natural, uh, more fun and, and uh, more open to every year find something new. So that's why my idea, so I tried. And today I'm very happy to, to make wine and to be in the, the wine world. Where, where, where in France did you grow up? I'm originally from Brittany, the west part of France, where there is absolutely no vineyard. Right. Uh, but uh, I studied in Montpellier, in the south part of France. And, and you uh, went right into uh, university at Montpellier? Yeah, I did Montpellier and um, I, I had the opportunity to work uh, just after school in, in Burgundy. Uh, first, good place to start. Yeah, good, good place to start, <laughs> absolutely. And um, I, I have to say that it's something which is nice to be uh, not from the place because uh, I arrived with a certain curiosity. With uh, I, I was, I would say, you know, it's the white page. Uh, you arrive, you don't know very well the region. You have no idea about what happened in Burgundy. You you are absolutely you are not absolutely not conscious of the complexity of the different appellations. And that's something good because you learn from, from the beginning from nothing. So everything you listen, everything you hear, uh, you want to make sure that it's the truth. So uh, that's nice for that because uh, in a way uh, you, you are not completely convinced by all the explanations uh, that people uh, give to you. So you are more curious, you are more 
probably you go more deeply in uh, in, in this idea to understand uh, that the place make the wine that uh, uh, all this diversity it's something very special and unique to Burgundy so uh, yeah I think that it's it's some it's, it's like a richness to to arrive from outside and not to be originally from Burgundy sure no preconceived notions you yeah get to, um, and how did you end up at Jadot? And how did you end up at Louis Jadot? I worked 10 years for another producer. So uh, immediately after school, I had the opportunity to, to start and to work for a small producer in the south part of Burgundy, Chateau de chassin Montrachet. And uh, 10 years later, uh, I was aware that uh, Jacques Lardier, my predecessor, who have made 42 vintages for Louis Jadot, uh, wanted to get retired. And so Louis Jadot uh, was looking for uh, someone to take the position. So I said, this is one of uh, this opportunity which arrived one time in a, in a life. Uh, Louis Jadot, it's a very nice producer, large producers, of course, but rich in terms of appellations, uh, diversity, and uh, with this idea to make absolutely good wines first the best as possible and, 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 and nothing else and then to find solutions to sell it so I like this philosophy um, to, to make your best as possible to produce well and then to see what happens uh, to invest in quality so I said wow uh, yeah take your ticket try to take your ticket so you went from making wine in one appellation to Jadot, where, where you make wine from many, many appellations, and, and especially in Burgundy, where, you know, one vineyard to the next is a completely different appellation, or one road to the next is a different appellation. That, that's true. Uh, how, how, how do you... How do you keep it all straight? <laughs> um, you know, my my, pre my precedent job, uh, it, it was not one appellation. It was uh, uh, probably uh, 30, 35 appellations. Oh, many. Today, it's 150 or more. What is true, it's, uh, it, it's a step. It's a step. Uh, uh, there, it's another level. But, but uh, in the same time, what you do, what you have to do, it's quite the same. After that, it's more a question of organization and uh, a team. Uh, if you can do something, you know, by yourself uh, with Louis Jadot, uh, hopefully for me, I'm not alone. I have a team. I have people behind me. We have different people who are in charge of the, the winemaking in our different facilities. So uh, what you have to do, it's not different. It's the way you do it could be different because you have uh, voilà, a team behind you. Um, but what is true, it's... Uh, it's this, I would say, richness, this large range of wine we have to produce, uh, it could be a difficulty, and this is one of our challenges, but in the same time, it's what makes this job so special, because it's a unique opportunity uh, to produce your best on a very large range of wine. And again, produce two barrels of great wine, it's not very difficult. Uh, it's a job, but it's not very difficult to produce uh, plenty of barrels uh, of different wines as we do this is a good and great challenge sure. and uh, my target my aim is clearly to, to make uh, my best as possible to produce great wines the best as possible top level wines everywhere on all our wines we are producing and that's that's a challenge which is just amazing to do because voilà, you wake up in the morning the question is not what I have to do, but 
how I can do it because we know what we have to do and we there is always and you know it's uh, every vintage uh, it's a new beginning so you have always a, a, a very full and intense energy inside you so it's it's what I like uh, my position today past few vintages present any challenges with the hail that's come have you been affected by that yeah of course we we were we were as everybody in Burgundy uh, you're right to say that uh, since 2009 in Burgundy we have not produced a full crop uh, 09 was the last one it was a great vintage but it was a full vintage uh, 2010 was smaller 11 12 13 14 15 16 again so it makes a long time now we have not produced a, a full crop a full yield uh, it starts to be a problem in Burgundy it, it it push a, a big pressure, uh, the demand is very high, but we have no wines. Uh, of course, we are affected by that. Uh, but, you know, what is, I would say, not under our control, you need to have a certain distance with that. Uh, hell, frost, uh, the weather, the cold, the rain. Uh, if really you are fixed on that, uh, you could be very, very sad. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, so... You need to be focused on what you can control. Uh, your work, the quality of what you are doing, uh, the workers, the quality of the, the cut, the quality of the farming, the quality of the winemaking, the aging, of course. But the weather, it's something we cannot control. In Burgundy, you need to understand that you have to accept a lot of things. You need to accept that a Batard Montrachet, it's not the same thing as a Chevalier Montrachet, uh, that Pomar. Uh, could be different as a Volnay and you need to accept that one year you can produce 10 hectoliters for an hectare and the, the year after 60. That's the way. Uh, you need to accept and if you don't accept that you cannot work in Burgundy. <laughs> Drive you mad, huh? <laughs> so what we're going to taste here today are some 2015s. Yeah. The 15 vintage uh, is for sure a great vintage. We, we are very happy to show you it uh, now. Uh, we had an exceptional season, farming season. Uh, not so easy because the weather we had was quite strange sometimes, very hot for the first part. From April to July, it was very hot, uh, no, no water, very dry. Uh, we will taste the wines from the Beaujolais. And in Beaujolais, they, are, they had zero water from April to end of August. So it was very, very dry. Uh, in Côte d'Or, uh, we were more lucky and we, we had few rains. But clearly, the, the vintage is, yes, a very special vintage because the, the, the weather we had uh, was, was quite unusual. Very hot, light, good light. Uh, and it has made very concentrated wines, uh, very white wines, with a good freshness because uh, when we have picked our grapes, the weather was quite cool and normal, hopefully for us, uh, because finally we have not picked, you know, overcooked or overripe uh, grapes. We have, we have picked just ripe grapes. Uh, but with a very nice sanitary state of grapes, so nothing to sort out. So we are ha very happy with this vintage. Was the was the uh, vintage picked about normal time of year? I know when I was in I was in California in 2015, and harvest started in at the end of July. It was super uh, early. Did you have yeah. an early harvest in 2015? Uh, it, it, it's what we can call an early vintage because it was picked early, early September. But uh, finally, early September, it's not so early. It's not in August. You see what I mean? So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's an early vintage for sure, uh, especially because of the weather we had in April, May, June on the first part that of the season. Quick, yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
August again and September wa was quite cool. Two, two, I would say, more normal months in Burgundy with cool temperature, with some, some rain. So um, it helped us to, to wait and to wait for a good ripeness, a good balance between the, 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 the sugar, the flavors and the acidity. The challenge was more to pick the whites uh, at a good level of acidity because, as you know, the whites, we like uh, the freshness. We like to have something uh, in life and clearly the life in our whites is the acidity, the freshness. So it was probably more challenging on whites, but I, I have to say that today we are very happy with the, what we have in our cask. Uh, the red, it was, I would say, easier. Uh, with good grapes, if you are not stupid, of course you make good wines. And on, on reds, we had beautiful grapes. So 2015 is uh, a vintage to maybe uh, lay down and wait for? Yeah, for sure, especially on reds. Uh, it's yeah, it's reds. a big vintage, It's a big. so you, we have produced big wines with a strong uh, structure of tannins. Uh, it, it's still very firm, so uh, maybe you will find few wines which are ready uh, to be open, not, not so old, but for a large part of the top wines we are producing in Burgundy, it's a, it's a vintage build to be kept. Uh, it's a vintage with a huge potential of aging, uh, with uh, very strong tannins, uh, with, a, with a, a body which is very exceptional. So, of course, my uh, opinion, my point of view, it's to, to keep it and to be a little bit patient before to open it. But, uh, but for sure, it will be a, a great vintage. Yeah. Terrific. Well, let's taste some wine. Okay. What should we taste first? So, we'll taste first uh, the white. So, it's a Chassagne Moranchet Premier Cru Morgeau. Uh, so it's an example of uh, a wine from Côte d'Or we are producing. So it's a good example of uh, a contract we have with, uh, with a family. So it's not a, a piece of land we are farming. It's, uh, it's a wine we, we are purchasing in grapes. Uh, we have a good deal with the, the Magenta family uh, since a long time, 35 years ago. And um, of course, Chassagne is known to produce you know, very large and, and ripe and, and dense wine. Clearly, in 15, this is the case. It's a, it's a very ripe and, and, and round and rich wine. Uh, but again, the, 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 the challenge was to keep a, a good acidity, a good freshness. Uh, so I think we, we, we are successful in, in keeping a, a certain, uh, again, a balance, good balance in our whites. Uh, but you will see it's a very rich and, and, and intense uh, white wine. Great. Mm, pretty. Very floral. Lazy, yeah. Chassagne is um, it's, uh, it's probably one of the most powerful area to produce mm. white wine. Uh, very again uh, with a very nice roundness. Uh, it's uh, you know if if Puligny is more vertical, uh, probably Chassagne is more uh, like a horizontal, wider, yeah, yeah, wide absolutely. So it it makes you you know it it round all your palate and uh, that's that's very special in 2015 because of course. Uh, the richness, the ripeness we, we had uh, uh, makes this wine very, very rich. I, I love Burgundy. I, I love Burgundy. And I'm mean, really excited to talk to you today. You're, you're actually the, the first uh, Burgundian winemaker I'm talking to in, in, in my podcast. So it excites me that you're here. One of the things that frightens me about Burgundy lately is premature oxidation in the wines. Ah. I, I get stuck with a lot of it. Yeah. How does that happen? Why is it happening in Burgundy? And what, what are you doing to make sure that that yeah. doesn't happen? 
I know it's that, a tough question. Yeah, it's a tough question, of course, but uh, there is no problem to answer and to try to, to answer. That's important to be transparent uh, on a subject like that. Uh, you have to understand that it's not a Burgundian problem. It's a general problem on, uh, on wines. But of course, in Burgundy, be- because people are aging our bottles of wine, it's probably easier to see if there is a non-normal evolution uh, in our bottles of wines because you keep it. Uh, on most whites in the world, uh, you drink it after two years. And uh, Primox, it's uh, a normal evolution on the first years of aging. So it's, it happens after two years, three years, four years. And especially on our top premier cruise on Grand Cruise, uh, it's absolutely not normal because it's, uh, it's wines which have to be aged uh, 7, 10, 15, 20 and, and, and more. Um, clearly, it's a very, very... Uh, complex uh, problems. Uh, you have to understand that from the first beginning minutes of life of a wine, so it means uh, just after picking, uh, so from the pressing to the bottling, uh, including the aging, the fermentation, uh, how you rack your wine, how you, uh, you, you treat your wine in your tank and so on. Uh, if you do one mistake, only one, it's done. So everything has to be fixed on the same time. You need to be good in picking, you need to be good in pressing, you need to be good in fermentation, you need to be good with your barrels, you need to be good in pumping, in, in fining, etc, etc, etc. If you are not good at just one time during the life of your, of your wine, you will create the problem. So it means that it's a multi-factor uh, problem and there is no one answer, but plenty of answers. What is true is we know today how, what we have to do to fix the problem. We know what we don't have to do uh, during the, the full process. Uh, and the final thing, which is very important, is what you are using to close your bottle of wine. Remember that, and we are very conscient of that, uh, natural cork uh, this is the best way to close a bottle of wine. If there is one great bottle of wine, it's always a bottle corked with a natural cork. But a natural cork um, bring an inconsistency of closure because there is a porosity uh, due to the, the fact that it's a natural product we, you cannot control. And from a cork to another cork from the same uh, I would say supplier from the same quality, from the same level of price, uh, you could have a very good closure or you could have a nightmare. It means, you know, like a sponge and uh, it could be a very porous uh, cork. So you could have a good bottle of wine and you could have just a wine which is completely oxidized because you have too much oxygen which have passed through the cork. Uh, the wine could be sensitive, so you can work on the fact to respect your wine as best as possible. But if you don't find the good solution to close your bottle of wine, you can, right, the, you sure. can be the best winemaker. It doesn't work. So that's why we have decided in 2011 uh, for the Vintage 11 to use a DM cork, which is, as you know, a, a complex cork made with natural cork. But not only, uh, there is some liant and we have to say that we are just happy with that because today we have we worked of course uh, on our process we are 
I am very confident with what I am doing today, but I am very confident too in, in using our DM because two bottles of wine, of our white wine, are closed with the same cork, which works very well. So today, clearly, I am confident uh, for what we are doing, us, Jado. Uh, but what is true, it's the, yeah, we need to be always, you know, I would say to get to, we, we still need to, to be very careful about this problem because it's a problem uh, you have to fix every day all during your full process day after day month after month vintage after vintage it's not something which is fixed forever it's uh, again you can make a mistake during your process and you introduce uh, the first part of your problem so you need to work well. That's and it. it. And it's sad when you open up a, a beautiful Premier Cru we know. Burgundy and open it up and it's oxidized. It just yeah. it makes you want to cry, you know? We know um, it. We know it. You know, we are the first disappointment. We have a large collection of old wines in our memory sure. cellar. So, trust me, we know the problem very well because it, we know that there is a diversity, there is an inconsistency of closure in using the, the cork. Uh, what is strange is uh, before, 20 years before, uh, that's true that we have probably uh, less problem. I don't know exactly why. The yeah, sort approach. of seen the start like mid-90s. Yeah, we, we think about 96, 97, something like that. Oh, but, uh, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not very, uh, very precise, but uh, what has changed? Uh, the quality of the grapes, the weather, the way to farm our grapes. You know, it's a very complex problem again. Uh, sure. Quality of cork. What is true is today there is a responsibility which is huge uh, due to the cork. It's not the only one, uh, but clearly it has revealed uh, the limits of the, the cork to close and to protect our wines. Well, clearly this 2015 is an oxidized. It's a beautiful wine. Yeah. Uh, when will it become available? Uh, we will bottle our wines uh, in next February, so when I will be back, and uh, we will probably ship the first bottles in uh, next fall. So, uh, as you know, we prefer to wait after summer, mm -hmm. summertime, yeah, the, right. the hot temperature. So you will be, you will have the, the whites uh, next November, October, November. It's a beautiful wine. I can't wait yeah. to buy some. <laughs> so what's next? Next, so we, I, I choose a, a Bonne Premier Cru. So it's a, a wine from Côte d'Or and especially from Côte de Bonne. As you know, we are located in Bonne. Uh, we are from Bonne. That's really our... Uh, our city, our origin, uh, if you are coming to visit us, you need to taste the bone. Uh, it's a very important appellation for us. Uh, we now own 24 hectares. And the first plot that the Jadot family bought when they arrived in Burgundy from Belgium in 1826, it was a bone premier cru, Claude des Ursules. So bone has a very special story for us. And I consider that uh, it's a little bit an underrated appellation. Uh, people know very well Bone for different reasons, the gastronomy, the restaurants, the wine auction, the hospice de Bone mm -hmm. and so on. But when they are coming in Bone, they are not drinking so much Bone, Premier right. Cru. And that's a big mistake because it's a fantastic appellation. Uh, it's a very good value wine. Um, uh, you have a large diversity of Premier Cru's, 42 different Premier Cru's, uh, but a very high quality of wine. And in 2015, uh, because we have produced very low yield, due to the hell we had in 13, 14, we have, for me, a very special level of quality uh, on that vintage. Very so, pretty, very yeah. floral. So here we are on the Boucherotte. Boucherotte, it's a premier cru uh, from the south part of Bonne, which makes the limit between Bonne and Pomar. 
uh, it's a very very powerful and and, and uh, I would say with a big structure uh, it, it's again it touched pomar so it has probably the, the pomar style but it's a great great mm. wine uh, with a huge potential of aging and uh, I have only very nice souvenir with old bone premier cru boucherot so it's uh, trust me it's a, it's a good choice well it's drinking choice. right now it's yeah. absolutely delicious it's uh it's subtle, but there's a uh, there's some backbone there. Good tannin, yeah. huh? Would you say um, a good good tannin is uh, representative of the entire vintage? Yeah, clearly, it, of course, because of the ripeness, because of the concentration. Because remember again that uh, fifteen we had, of course, the sun, the light. We had few rains, so it has helped the plant to, uh, I would say, to have a certain uh, ripeness. But because of the, the the hot weather we had, and especially the the the, the hot uh, last days of August, uh, the, we, we had a, a part of the concentration, and concentration it helps the wines to have, a, you know, a, a better uh, structure, a better color, a better uh, balance, uh, and clearly it's what you have uh, today in, in, in our wines. It's it's this concentration, this fantastic color, and this this very nice body. This wine makes me happy. <laughs> That's delicious. What's next? Alors, next, it's a very special wine. It's a Chapelle Chambertin Grand Cru. Uh, so, a wine from Côte de Nuit. And this is our oldest Pinot Noir we are farming. So, as you know, to make a good wine, you need a good place. You need a, a good grape variety. You need a good weather. Uh, of course, a good team behind, but the most important thing, uh, probably after the, the place, the vineyard, is the, the quality of the vegetal, the quality of the vine plant. Uh, we are working with something which is in life, and uh, the quality of the Pinot Noir uh, is very important. And here it's a Pinot Noir from uh, 1920, uh, 1921, uh, so it means 90 years old, and this is a very special Pinot Noir. Uh, we have our own nursery where we are trying to save this old Pinot Noir and it gives to the wine a very special touch. Uh, for me, it's always a very, I would say, unique wine in our cellar. And uh, I know what is behind, I know very well the vegetal, the quality of the Pinot Noir from that place. So, voilà, it makes, I have a special relationship with this wine. Yeah. It's a very special wine. Chapelle is not a very large appellation. Uh, it's it's probably it's smaller and, and less known, of course, as Chambertin Claude Base. But uh, in terms of touch and and sweetness and quality of the tannins, because of the the, the edge of the Pinot Noir, uh, I really like it. Yeah, it's everything about this wine says yes. Yeah, I just I love this. Um, that's yeah, that's clearly one of my highlights uh, so of the vintage. And yeah. when will this be released? Uh, same uh, in fall. So we will in the fall? Bot- we will bottle the the wines uh, in May June. Okay. Uh, but it it will arrive on the same time as the the wines. Terrific. That's, yeah. And how much how much how much of this gets made? I mean, small small amount. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 have zero point four hectare, so it makes uh, on a good year eight barrels of wine. Eight barrels. Yeah. And then finally, we have one last one. Yeah, we have a last wine, which is not from Côte d'Or, but which is from Beaujolais. So it's a Cru du Beaujolais from our domain. We, we own uh, Chateau des Jacques. And, uh, uh, Cru Beaujolais are very trendy right now. All the sommeliers in, in the States are, are, are really kind of 
excited about Cru Beaujolais. Yeah, which is good. It's a, uh, oui, it's a good news for the, the this region because, as you know, the Beaujolais uh, and Beaujolais village and Cru du Beaujolais it's still challenging because there is this name, which is uh, sometimes a difficulty to sell uh, to sell the wines. Yeah, everyone thinks the Beaujolais do well, of course. Um, but um, but we we have to say that the Gamay grape variety it's a grape uh, grape variety if you use it on the good places, and of course the Cru du Beaujolais we have beautiful vineyards. Um, so we consider that we do a very special job there. Uh, we, we are making the wines with the same way we are making the wines in Côte d'Or. So long maceration, distems, pigeage, uh, for a part of it, long aging in, in cask. Uh, because we believe that there is something behind. There is a, uh, there is a quality, there is a, a potential, there is a, we can make great wines uh, from that place. So here it's a Moulin Avant, Clos des Roches-Grès. So it means it's a, it's a single vineyard from Moulin Avant which is one of the most elegant appellations from the Beaujolais. And if the vintage 2015 is great in Burgundy, yeah. uh, I have to say that it's just unique it's in Beaujolais. explosive no, um, I mean. We had a little bit of water in Côte de Beaune, in Côte de Nuit. They had absolutely no water in Beaujolais. So it has made the wine very special. And what you feel in your glass, it's an extreme concentration of the vintage. And uh, yeah, again, this vintage in Beaujolais is absolutely unique. Uh, it's something we have probably never seen in, in that region. In it terms just of so happens to coincide with yeah. the time that all the Psalms are excited about it. It's, uh, it's very intense, very ripe, very dense, very dark, very deep. Uh, very, very special vintage. So we are, of course, very pleased to show that because uh, it's, it's what it makes this job so fun. It's because we, we never know what we will have. And uh, we are the first surprise what we, we, we have in our cellar, in our cask. And uh, a vintage like that, nobody uh, uh, could imagine before to make it uh, that it was possible to, to have that uh, in our bottle. Have you, have you, have, has Jado had the uh, uh, Cru Beaujolais for a long time? Yeah, we bought the domain in uh, 97. So now it makes uh, 20 years that we are producing uh, wines from that uh, domain. And as a winemaker, is it a nice departure from... I mean, obviously you're working with this stunning Grand Cru, Pinot Noir, and these beautiful Chardonnays. Is it a nice departure to get away from of course. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir? Of course. You have to remember that uh, uh, where it, it's more challenging to make good wines, it's where the, the, the most interesting the job is. I mean, uh, when you are picking a uh, few grapes from Bonnemar, Musigny, and so on, again, if you are not stupid, of course you make a good wine. And uh, because this is a good place, it's not coming by your job. It's not coming from you are good or not good. But probably where the, it's more challenging because the place is less, uh, has a less power, is, is less, I would say, uh, has a less strength. Uh, or probably because you, you impact more. Uh, I give you an example, but uh, with our regional wines, for example, when you are producing the Bourgogne Pinot Noir, uh, là you do a blend of different origins, different places, uh, we spend more time. And honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a stronger and, and, and harder job to make a good wine at that level of sure. appellation. But uh, honestly, uh, I like that. I like to produce a good wine on that level of wine because when you are producing... I don't know, 60 or 80,000 uh, cases of a good wine at that level. Voilà, this is, 
this is a great challenge. Sure, and we could take grapefruit and make six great barrels of wine, but uh, to make a absolutely great, but, at, at at what 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 what's your Bourgogne red Bourgogne twenty some odd dollars a bottle? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's harder to make a great absolutely. wine absolutely. So and it, it's it's what what makes this this job so special. I mean, we we are sometimes a little bit schizophrenic because we have. We have to produce two barrels of the greatest wines uh, in the world, and uh, in the same time, uh, uh, thousands and thousands of cases of, I would say, approachable wines, but uh, at a very high level of quality. Uh, but both of it are just amazing to do. So I'm very happy to be to be there and uh, and to to be able to to have the opportunity uh, to produce again a very diverse and large range of wine, but at that level of quality. Well, this this this. Uh Cru Beaujolais is delicious. Frederic Bernier, winemaker from Louis Jadot, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure to meet you, a pleasure to taste some of your wines, and I look forward to uh, buying all these when they come to the U.S. in the fall. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. For John's tasting notes on the wines from this episode, go to www.thehonestpourpod.com. Make sure you catch every episode by subscribing to The Honest Pour with John Lennart at iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Store. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at The Honest Poor with John Lennart and follow us on Twitter at The Honest Poor. This has been The Honest Poor with John Lennart. Music by Kevin McLeod.